Chapter 7, Mediation We dug a narrow trench to bury the chicken wire. Bobby Jean drew the line with the hoe, and Corey and I followed with trowels, digging in deeper. Corey was slow about it. I had finished my whole side before he was halfway done with his. He had a rock in his hand, turning it over and studying it. What are you doing, I asked, checking to see if it's a fossil. Oh, cool. So that became the game then. Rock, I called out the next time I found something bigger than a pebble. We paused to examine it. Corey deemed my finding interesting. It pretty much just looked like a regular rock to me. Is it a fossil? How can you even tell? It would have little white lines on it or some pattern of stains or grooves. The rock itself could have formed from a bone or bone fragment. I have a book at home that shows some pictures. You can see it when you come over, Corey clenched the rock tighter and looked away. His voice got quieter. I mean, if you want to. I shrugged. Sure. So we could find dinosaur bones? Bobby Jean peered over our our shoulders, casting a nice cool shadow. Maybe, Corey said. He opened his fist again. That would be awesome. It wasn't hard to imagine that the rock in Corey's palm was once a bone. Maybe a wing bone from a pterodactyl. It's more likely there could be mastodons buried around here, Corey said. You know, a lot of prehistoric beasts got run over by the glaciers when they came down. Bobby Jean frowned. Wait, didn't the glaciers move like an inch in a millennium or something? Yeah, I agreed. That's why they call it glacier pace. Like how Bobby Jean runs. Corey snorted. Bobby Jean smacked me on the back of my head. I grinned. Don't start unless you think you can outrun me. Bobby Jean's cheeks purpled up. Shut up, he said. I guess, Corey said, looking at the fossil. But I think the mastodons died and their bodies got run over and then frozen and preserved in ice. It turned out Corey knew a lot about the Ice Ages. The real Ice Age, not the Ice Age movies which Bobby Jean and I had seen. Corey's interest in archaeology made him seem more special. We had lots of books in our house, sure enough but nothing I could straight up quote like Corey was doing. I liked flipping through the pages in the know-how book of spycraft, and I could remember some of what I'd read, but mostly it was fun to imagine doing important secret work in a faraway place. See, look at these lines, Corey said. Doesn't it remind you of the fossils on display in the Children's Museum in Indy? Oh, yeah, yeah, totally, I rushed to say before Bobby Jean could let slip the terrible truth. We weren't allowed to go to the museum. On school field trip day, Bobby Jean and I stayed home. Bobby Jean stared at me for a long second, then resumed his digging. The last thing we needed was to give Corey any new reasons to mock us. We collected several interesting rocks. Corey cataloged each of them and rated the likelihood of each one being a fossil. It was fun. Hanging with Corey stopped seeming weird and started feeling normal. So where are they, Corey finally said. My stomach sank. I looked toward the woods. Where was Sticks Malone when you needed him? I gave Susie back, Corey said. What gives? Oh, come on, Bobby Jean said. Did you really think you were going to get to keep her? Then I guess I just loaned you my fireworks. It seemed like you wanted us to keep them, I said. We could have brought them back last night. But our mom confiscated them, Bobby Jean lied. We got in pretty big trouble. Whoa, the king of honesty? Fibbing to cover our tracks? That was a new development. That's bull, Corey said. You never told her anything. Yeah, huh? Bobby Jean said. Bluffing, his bluffing skills were right up there with his vocabulary. 
Nuh-uh. You covered for me, Corey continued. Yeah, we did, I said. So you owe us. Corey crossed his arms and glowered at us. His eyebrows did a fair bit of talking. There was no point in getting into this debate now. Styx was coming to mediate. Those fireworks are ours now, fair and square, Bobby Jean said. I wasn't sure that was right. We'd made an agreement and couldn't follow through. But then again, Corey was even dumber than we were, than we were trading for something there was no way he was going to get to keep. We finished the weeding and planted the chicken wire. Sticks ambled up while we were putting the tools away. Hello, boys. He drew out his words like a southerner. Corey turned we weary. Who's that? Sticks Malone. Pleasure to meet your acquaintance. Corey stared at Sticks's outreached hand like he didn't want to touch it. Is he your cousin or something? He asked us. Sticks raised his eyebrows. No relation, he said. Neighbor, friend, mediator. He handed Corey his card. I've come to discuss the matter of the gunny sack. You told him? Corey exclaimed. Your trade went belly up, and so you're looking for payday. Am I right? I want my stuff back, Corey said. But you don't. But you don't really, though, right? Yesterday, you wanted to trade it. Well, yeah, but what if we can offer you something different in exchange? Like what? First things first. Where'd you get them, Sticks asked. Corey's eyes shifted. I'm not at liberty to say, he said. Then we're not at liberty to say what happened to them, Bobby Jean retorted. Fellas, fellas. Sticks' voice slid easy into the middle of us. Without even saying more, he caught all of our attention. What that tells me is the goods are hot. Corey stood silent. Yeah, you don't want them back, Sticks said. You want them gone. We can make that happen. In exchange for what? Sticks' grin spread like soft butter. Free of charge. You don't have to give us a thing. Wait, Corey looked confused. No, I meant what will you give me? Peace of mind, my brother. You can sleep tonight knowing your mess is someone else's problem. Sticks knew how to paint a picture, but Corey was a tough customer. That's not fair. Peace of mind and a cut of the proceeds. Sticks worked fast. I bet we can get you 50 bucks easy. That was a fortune. Corey's eyes lit up, but he was still weary. You got a better idea, Six said. Think you can get yourself 50 bucks any other way? Uh, not really, but then it's a deal. The Franklins and I will take care of it, Six said and nodded toward us. I'll pencil you in for noon on Thursday. I took note when he said businessy things like that. Okay, I said, we'll take care of it then. So it's settled, Stick Sticks announced, not really asking. Corey got right up in our faces. When you win by cheating, it always comes back to bite you. Sticks grinned. Well, that was downright philosophical. He leaned over Corey's shoulder. We'll take our chances, right boys? We never could say no to Sticks Malone. Chapter 8, The Great Escalator Trade on Thursday at noon, we met Sticks Malone in the woods behind our house. We found him leaning against the same shag, shag bark hickory tree under which he, we met him. By the time the summer was out, we'd be thinking of it as Sticks's office. I wanted to kick back against a tree and just be. Sticks made it look easy. Well, if it isn't Caleb and Bobby Jean Franklin, he said, as if we just happened to come by. He pushed off the trunk and ambled toward us. His arms 
hung lanky by his sides. I shook out my shoulders to relax them like his. How's it going with Cormer? Six asked. He giving you any more trouble? Not so far, I said. He's ready for a payday for sure. You've got something good? Going here, Six said. Let's step it up a notch. You mean like us together? Bobby Jean asked. Sure, Six shrugged. The deal was for me to help you. He gripped a low horizontal branch, then swung himself around it like a hinge. You really think we can sell all these fireworks? Bobby, Je Bobby Jean's questions were bringing me down. It was easy to believe some everything Six promised until you started to think it through. Not only can we sell them, we can sell them all at once. Sticks leaned over the branch. His scrawny stomach bowed right over it, and his sharp black elbows pointed down toward us like punctuation marks. Listen, he said, I'm going to tell you how it is. We listened. How could we not? Before meeting Sticks, our best stories was about the time we, Bo Hopkins, the Pacers' power forward, rode through town on his way to some charity event. All of us neighborhood kids lined up along the street to wave at him. We thought it was going to be like a parade. When his car blew by, we waved and all, but he never rolled down the tinted windows, so all we saw was limo. But his license plate said Bo Hop, which we did get a pretty good look at, and it has remained at the top of our coolness index right up until today. This is how it is, Sticks announced. People have stuff. Sometimes they have stuff that you want. So you gotta take it. That's stealing, Bobby Jean said. Sticks shrugged. I'm not trying to teach you morality. I'm telling you how it is. You're currently stealing my thunder, Sticks said. I'm trying to tell you how it is. Sorry. We waited. We listened. You don't have to steal stuff. You know, he said finally. You just gotta learn how to make people give you things. Well, that sounded nice enough. You ever hear about the guy who traded, turned a paperclip into a house? We hadn't. So Stick spun up a fabulous yarn. It went like this. Once there was a guy who wanted to see how much he could get in exchange for nothing. So he asked a friend if he could have a paperclip. The friend gave him the paperclip for free because it wasn't worth much. No big deal, right? Then the guy took the paperclip and went to a different friend. He asked that friend if he'd be willing to trade him a cheap ballpoint pen exchange in exchange for the paperclip. Now a ballpoint pen is slightly more valuable than a paperclip, but it's still not worth very much money in the grand scheme of things. So the friend agreed. The guy kept doing this. He took the cheap ballpoint pen and traded it for a roll of scotch tape, and then a pair of scissors, and then a stapler. He climbed his way through small office supplies until he was trading a paper shredder for a laser printer. Thus, the concept of the great escalator trade was born. The guy took his laser printer and started exchanging for other kinds of electronics until he traded his way into a brand new laptop computer. Every trade he made was for something of approximately equal value. It wasn't very unfair to any of the individuals he was trading with, but all along he was trading for something worth slightly more than the last thing. It took a long time, but eventually he traded the laptop until he got a fancy sound system. Then he traded that for a used car, for a boat, for a newer car, and so on. Eventually, he was able to trade a big fancy yacht for a mansion. And all because one day, years before, he'd asked a friend for a paperclip. Thus, he proved the great escalator trade was possible and profitable. Then he lived happily ever after in his mansion.
When Sticks finished the story, Bobby Dean and I stood slack-jawed. My imagination lit up like a Christmas tree, glowing with all the possibilities. An escalator trade is pretty simple, Sticks assured us. You just have to figure out what you want that's worth all the trouble. Not to be ordinary, I thought. To see the world. But Sticks was talking about the sort of stuff you could buy. Something big, Sticks said. What's the dream you know? What do you want? Truth be told, there were plenty of things we wanted. The really big super soakers, better spy equipment, the life-size Lego castle, a trip to Mars, a PlayStation. Bigger squirt guns, Bobby Jean suggested. He and I were on the same page, sort of. It's got to be better than the fireworks, though, I said, right? Sticks nodded. Unlimited Lego pieces for life. Occasionally, Bobby Jean showed signs of true vision. Better, Sticks said, but maybe even bigger. Bobby Jean and I exchanged a glance. We know, we blurted simultaneously. Sticks raised an eyebrow. Yeah? A swimming pool, Bobby Jean exclaimed, for our backyard. Sticks stroked his chin. Hmm, that's a good one, but it actually might be too big. Hard to hide a swimming pool. We don't want to hide it. We want to use it, Bobby Jean argued. I nudged him. He means for mom and dad, you goof. Yeah, Sticks said. The day a giant swimming pool shows up in your backyard, suddenly you've got a lot of explaining to do. Hey. I guess so, said Bobby Jean. It's also hard to take care of a swimming pool, Sticks said. Did you know that? I nodded. That's what dad always said. Too much work and too expensive. Your father's a very practical man. No need. No, we need something stealthier than a pool. We thought for a moment. I've got an idea, Stick said finally, if you're willing to entertain suggestions. Oh, sure. I cocked my head casually. We can entertain that. I'd rather show you than tell you, Stick said. You know, like a presentation. Real professional. Bobby, Jean, and I glanced at each other. Why not? It's not far, Stick said. You game? He pushed off the branch and kept moving, as if our following was a foregone conclusion. Bobby, Jean grabbed my arm and whispered. We had to tell mom if we're leaving the yard. Only if we're by ourselves, I argued. We're with sticks. That was iffy logic, but Bobby Jean didn't fight me on it. We're way past the yard now anyway, I said. Sure enough, we were already walking, stretching ourselves to keep pace with Styx's long-legged strides. Nothing could have stopped me from following Styx. If we pulled off a successful elevator trade of our own, we'd be famous for sure. Beyond famous. We'd be epic legendary. We'd leave ordinary in the dust.